This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome to episode 49 here of Rob Ryan Red. And yeah, as the new intro said, myself and Nathan Salt, new year, new intro. Same old us though, Nathan, a fresh lick of paint. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I feel fresh, if I can feel that. Can can an intro make you feel fresh? It makes me feel fresh, Rich. Um, long overdue, but yes, no, very excited to to nearly be getting up half a century. I feel like, well, I'm, I would say I feel like one of the England cricketers, but they don't seem to be getting to half a century. But we're nearly there, episode 49, and surprisingly, lots to go at, given this is a Saturday with no game, Rich. A rare weekend off, really. I mean, we say that, it feels like we've had a couple of those already this season. Of course, there's been COVID outbreaks, there's been... A- the way the season started as well, of course, in the National League this season as well. You always get two free weekends because there's only 23 teams in, in the league as well. Bournemouth and FA Cup action, of course. That's why the game isn't taking place this weekend. And yeah, I mean, it's been a busy week. We had the Arsenal anniversary to kickstart things on. Not to count it. Was that Sunday? Not to count it was Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting so messed yeah, up. Thanks for the reminder. That, that was, uh, without, without going over, that, that's been poured over, you know, everywhere on, on social media which it was a good day out for about five minutes and then the football got in the way by now yeah and you know what I, I've, I've obviously watched it back it, there was massive uproar at the time in the stand and it definitely looked like the player was offside for that first goal clearly he, he wasn't now as, as the replay showed but yeah bitterly disappointing uh don't want to see Paul Marsden in a hurry knowing our luck if we got to the playoff final we'd get Paul Marsden um to ruin our hopes and dreams but no, yeah, Notts County was Sunday, bitterly disappointed, but we've moved past that. And Tuesday was the Arsenal anniversary, and we, we managed to get out that Mickey chat I had recently. So that was, uh, uh, yeah, it's always fun talking to Mickey, isn't it? And, and Yeah, uh, I, I, I would also put out there on, on the Mickey chat, I, I had one message through, my brother listened to it, and he said that 
the, the audio, audio quality wasn't the highest it's ever been. That was never intended to actually be a podcast. That was just you literally speaking to Mickey Thomas. And then we were like, yes. we should probably put this out for the Arsenal interview, uh, Arsenal yes, anniversary. Uh, so, admittedly, admittedly, it wasn't recorded with the, the best of podcast intentions. So I, I did know when it was going out there that the quality was... Uh, Mickey's, Mickey, Mickey's audio was fine. Mine was not. But there you go. Forgive us. Uh, it was very much an off-the-cuff uh, interview piece. Yeah, myself, because so. everything else is so well rehearsed around here, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> today's episode, like we said, there's it's a bumper one, really. I know there's not a game to, to report on, but there's, of course, the transfer window ongoing. Uh, Jake Hyde's injury as well, and where that leaves Wrexham in terms of signing a new striker this month, which we do believe to be a priority of the club. New contract for Dan Davis we'll get on to, and we'll also look back at 2021 as a year following Wrexham as well. Some highs, some lows. And a lot of stuff in the middle as well. You know, it's it's hard to tell. It's been a crazy, crazy 12 months, which we say on most podcasts, but particularly as we sort of look back on the year that was 2021 and look ahead to, to the weeks ahead as well. There is a lot going on, although there isn't a game. So yeah, enjoy this. We'll get on to transfers at some point. Nath, I guess we're recording this just before the weekend. And like I said, you'll be listening to this in place of that Boreham Wood game, which isn't taking place. Uh, Jake Hyde injured out now for what's looking about two months ish paul mullen himself has looked a bit shaky in recent weeks i know he he came on that twitter spaces we had that on the pod i think two or three episodes ago now where he said he's got an injury which they still haven't quite gotten to the bottom of kwame thomas still not fully fit really from from his injury return and then you've got ponticelli and you well i say you've got dr angus i've not seen him for a while you you know in terms of the strike Strike force. We've already been so over reliant on Paul Mullen this season, and now another blow of Jake Hyde, a player that we were both tipping to to actually outscore Mullen and be that top goal scorer this season. Yeah, out for two months is such a damning blow for him and for Rexon. It's come at such a bad time. I, I get we've got that sort of interlude now between the league games, you know, going away to Yeovil close to the end of the month. But yeah, two months on the sideline for Jake Hyde, I think drastically um, refocuses your transfer strategy. You know, we believe that they were going for a striker anyway. And and I, I want to get onto some of the names that have been linked and, and that we should perhaps be keeping an eye on their situations. But definitely Jake Hyde. I feel a bit sorry for Jake Hyde. Well, I feel very sorry for Jake Hyde, but in particular because around Christmas time, I foolishly mocked him up as Kevin from Home Alone because he was watching uh, the, the film and I was very bored at home. Um, so I, I mocked him up. And now, unfortunately, he's going to be spending a lot of time at home alone, I think. Oh, I don't know. I don't know his living situation, but I assume he's home uh, without... He's, he's at home without the team. Okay, that's what I'll say. So um, to make a long-winded point, yeah, two months out, it sounds like a calf problem that there's actually been niggling him for a while. Parky said that he was able to do quite a lot, actually, um, in terms of his rehab and training and, and whatnot. But ultimately, it, it, it's more serious than they suspected. And eight weeks on the sidelines is, is what's been diagnosed there. On the Mullen point, he, he also said that, again, and, and we heard from Mullen himself, um, that he that they haven't been able to get to the bottom of, of what is his hamstring problem. And, and Parkinson said in this period, he's really hoping that that they can nurture that hamstring back to kind of full fitness. It, it's one of those where you see so many hamstring injuries. We've seen Mullen you know, busting a gut down the wing in the channels. Eventually, that, that, that wear and tear will, will come back and hurt you, especially in the winter months when it's cold and... It's all about stretching these muscles and whatnot. So if they haven't got to the bottom of it still, you do wonder 
other than rest, what you can really recommend it in this period. You'd hope that you wouldn't see Mullen in against Folkestone and Victor next week. You'd hope that he gets that off. And then you're looking at Yeovil and Grimsby in a matter of games back to back. You know, can he play one of those? Do you need to play him in both? You'd argue now that you probably need to play him in every game unless you can get a reinforcement in before then. So it's, yeah, before I kind of get on to, to some of the targets that have been mentioned, Rich, it's a real blow, isn't it? Because we, was, we had such high hopes for Jake Hyde and he's just not got the rub of the green after what was quite a bright start to the season. Yeah, exactly. I remember that Eastleigh game so well and thinking, wow, we've really got that strike force now. And like you said, it's just been such a shame. And again, that sort of striker that we've we've lacked, really, we've, we've said in the past that, you know, Ponticelli and Angus are, are quite similar. They are those sort of pressing forwards who do a lot of running, but you wouldn't be backing them to score the goals, really. And Mullen needs someone to play off, doesn't he? And he's just not had that opportunity all season. And so often, you know, it, we, we've relied on a moment of magic from Paul Mullen to, to bail us out. And the, the sort of chance creation's not been there. We've just not really had that perpetual threat in, in terms of as a sort of central attacking force. Because like we said, Mullen is a superb finisher, but he just doesn't play in that sort of number nine role traditionally. He's drifting out. He's dropping very deep to have to get on the ball, which again is part of the problem with midfield and the actual service he's getting. But it's also part of the problem is that there's no one else up front to hold the ball up for Mullen and to help him get the ball where he wants it and and have more chances at at goal. And talking of Paul Mullen, moments of magic, Nath, I'm I'm sure most most fans will will have seen that tweet he sent um, in midweek. There was a uh, Cambridge fan who had been singing Mullen's praises last season, but um, he quote-tweeted a a really spurious tweet from The Sun. I mean, let's leave it at that, okay? That tells you all you need to know about credibility, really. And they seem to have made a video claiming to know the wages of all the players in non-league, but I'm pretty sure they just got the numbers from Football Manager, which, although is a great game, I'm not sure is very spot-on in terms of wages. So... You know, it, yeah, it's very, um, very sort of edgy, and, and yeah, I wouldn't read too much into it. And the Cambridge fan quote tweeted it, claiming that Paul Mullen is on four grand a week, the highest earner in non-league, whatever. Which you know, we believe he probably is, but okay, let's not get into what what he's earned specifically, because like we said, it changes every week depending on how many goals he's scoring. And Daniel Cornell or Cornwell, the the Cambridge fan said, four grand a week at non-league level, and still not banging them in. Could be there next year too. He could have been playing in front of 52,000 this weekend. Was it worth it? And then he added Paul Mullin. And you're asking for trouble if you're going to add a footballer and give them sort of personal abuse. Um, Paul Mullin's response was absolutely class. Enjoy the one game a year your missus lets you out for. One P a week would be worth it to be at home with my son every night. Gobshite. And then the clown emoji. God, I love you, Paul Mullin. There you go. What a what a clap back, as they call it on social media. You know, uh, it's it's a really tricky one, isn't it? Because we people get so attached to to players as we do when, we, when we've lost players and we've been really angry and disappointed. You think you know the anger that was around Sam Ricketts leaving. You know, is that, yeah, that was a manager, and then the, you know the annoyance around other things, other managers, Kevin Wilkin and others. Um, but you just got to let it go. It's just not healthy. That's what I would say to that fan. Just just let it go. But also, if he'd let it go, we wouldn't have got that unbelievable response from exactly. Paul Mullen. So, you know, and the other thing much, is, basically, these are human beings. Why would he not want a better offer for his family? You know, he's got, totally. you know, he's got a young family. Yeah. Why would you not 
I know you say footballers chase the money, but even on four grand a week, I know do. that is a lot and a lot of money. But I mean, the, I've heard the wage he was on at Cambridge, and it is so it's so much lower than what he's on now at Wrexham. Why would he not go for a better financial offer? have the stability and give himself a bit of a cushion for when he does retire. Because even at non-league level, on a, on a good wage, most of the time, if you retire at mid-30s or whatever, you don't just retire and that's it for life. You've still got to get more income somehow. So it's absolutely nonsense. But it's Paul Mullen. He does what he wants. And yeah, great to see him sort of hit back at the Cambridge fans there. You know, he loves it here at Wrexham. We love him. But like we said, we need to get him some more service up front. We need to ease the pressure Give him a bit of a break, really. And the names that are popping up, Naif, I know you said that at the start of the podcast, there's a few sort of circling at the moment. Ollie Palmer sort at Wimbledon Ollie seems Palmer. to be the one that, that most fans are dreaming of. Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one because it's actually his goal record, I think, is is um, is no kind of silver bullet. I think it's a bit up and down. You know, he's 29, so he's coming in. He would be coming in. Pardon me. Would be coming in ready-made. Would were he to make the move, you know, joint top scorer at Wimbledon this season. I think he's got seven in all comps so far, and he's played in twenty twenty games. I think this season for for the Dons. So, you know, he's playing regularly. It's not like he's not getting football at that level. He is in in, in action this weekend, or he's due to be in action this weekend against Boreham Wood. So it'd be really interesting to see in the FA Cup if he does play, how he gets on. You know, that could be a fixture that he actually has to play um, as a league fixture if, if he makes the move. So what was interesting was that that sort of emerged as a social media rumour. And it's always telling to me when a manager responds to, you know, we're reporters, Rich. You don't always put to managers, um, you don't always put social media hearsay to, to managers. I mean, sometimes you do. If it's, if it's a quiet week, maybe you do, but... They might, you know, they don't always give that sort of thing the time of day. But the fact that um, Wimbledon boss Mark Robinson did actually address this talk around Ollie Palmer, I thought was interesting. And what I'll do is I'll read you part of his quotes uh, made to South London Press. So he said, Ollie is certainly not someone I want to lose 100%. We just want to build and move on. And then he goes on and adds that I had a good meeting with all the players on Monday. It was really positive. I made it clear to the players who was on board and I gave them a window to come and talk to me because I don't want to spend 27 days talking nonsense. I just want to focus. I've already been offered countless players and had ridiculous conversations and texts um, over the past two-day period. I don't want 27 days of ifs, buts, and maybes. Reminds me of that TikTok with the Liverpool fan. Uh, I don't want 27 days of ifs, buts, and maybes. I just want to focus on what we're doing and where we're going. So that's quite interesting for me, because he's not totally ruled out the sale, has he? He's sort of said that I want him to stay. Uh, I want a decision, really, more or less. Um, yeah, and again, they've, being journalists, we always think in headlines, and the way you would headline that, you probably would say refuses to rule out sort of January exits. Mm, I know that some people listening totally. would be like, you you twist it like that? But yeah, being around managers and knowing the way they speak, that does sound very much as if they're saying, in an ideal world, we don't want to lose anyone this month. The current pandemic as well has made it more difficult for teams because... They don't want to sell players because it's even harder to replace them. So it's a difficult market. It's a very difficult window anyway. Like we said um, towards the end of last year as well, Wrexham have, you know, they've got a long list of targets for each position. I'd, I would say at least between five to ten players per position they want to strengthen. There's so much mitigation, so many permutations in terms of what can happen. 
players who were available last month suddenly aren't available anymore because games are getting called off left, right and centre. You've got squad sizes being pushed to the limits. Other teams, like we said, just can't can't afford to sort of sell. Again, maybe on the flip side, some teams have had good cup runs. They've probably had some good crowds over the festive period, so their coffers have been boosted. There might be less pressure on some teams to, to actually cash in now. I'm looking over at Chesterfield. I'm looking over at Shamanga, who one fan suggested that we should try sign when we put a tweet out earlier. The fact they're playing mm-hmm. Chelsea this weekend, I don't think they're in any position to have to sell anyone. It, it, it would take a ridiculous bid, you know, for, yeah. for someone like that. It'd be so inflated. Shamanga to Wrexham. I think that is very much a pipe dream, isn't it? Um, it is. Like but I said, I would love it. I would love that move. You know, that would be yeah. that would that would be reminiscent of Fleetwood going and getting Lee Fowler. To, you know, to, sort of in terms of you know, yeah, for us to have the revenge the this time. Yeah, yeah, that, that's um, how it would feel. Another name, Dom Telford is doing yeah. the rounds as well. Yes. to me, he seems a much he seems a more achievable target than than Ollie Palmer what, this month. What I want to say on Dom Telford is this: that he's out of contract in the summer. Okay, so he arrived on a on a one and a half year deal. He actually moved last January from Plymouth. Um, so anyone who's following the EFL, he's twenty five. And so if you are looking to build on a two three year deal, is that something you want to go and give to Ollie Palmer at twenty nine, or is that something you want to go and give to a twenty five year old um, that that you know that can go on and and kick on and and you know with all due respect go up the leagues and if he's if he wants to use it as a springboard, so be it. You know, Newport are in a position where they need to balance the books. You know, this is what I'll, I'll read a quote again from. I don't want this to become a story time, but I think this is, again, quite telling from Newport boss James Robery. I don't really know much too much about James Robery, but this is what he said, speaking to the South Wales Argus uh, the week just gone. So he said, we want to do some business in January, but I also have to be conscious that we have to balance the books as well. I'm not going to put this football club in a difficult situation. And he goes on to add that it's ongoing. This is a fluid situation uh, when he was asked about contract talks for Telford. And he said, we want, we want to keep our players that are doing well for us, so we will monitor that as we always do. If people are interested in our players, then we are doing something well, so I will take that. Um, and then he goes on to add, uh, what else does he add here? No, that's it. He, he basically, you know, he just goes on to say that, you know, he, they need to balance the books and he doesn't want to put the football club in jeopardy. Now, if that isn't a, you know, make us your best offer, I don't know what is. Um, you know, again, that, I look at that Nave, contract. That, yeah, yeah, that's another thing, though, isn't it? You, you touched upon there. We saw this in the summer with Bentosa. Everyone knows we've got money. We're almost going to have to play a, pay a premium if we go in for a player this month as well, because, like I said, teams are reluctant to sell if it's going to take a transfer fee, and they all know we have lots of money to spend. Okay, we're not going to get ripped off. We don't want to go pay over the odds just to get a player in for the sake of it again that means that if we've got someone who's our top target and they're available we can't necessarily go and get them because a a selling team might make a ridiculous ultimatum and say right pay this or you're not having them and again again that's something that you just got to overcome one step at a time and this month that could be problematic couldn't it the fact that there are going to be very good players available but we have got to pay a premium to actually get them to to north wales I thought it was really interesting just on, on Telford that, you know, he, he left Plymouth and they weren't super sad to see him go. You know, I mean, back half of last season, we joined in January, it took a while to get going. And he, I think he scored once in five starts um, and he was often coming off the bench. But this season he's averaging, what is it, a, more than a 
goal a game, something like that. He's averaging, yeah, he's averaging something like a goal a game, more than a goal a game, you know, in incredible form. And, you know, we wouldn't be the only team in for them. But what I think the owners will have learned, and I don't, I don't know this for sure, I've not had any conversations, unfortunately, with Rob Ryan on this, but what I would say is the National League is hellish to get out of. And if you're moving in January, that suggests that you don't have all the pieces to the puzzle, which we do not. We know that. We need multiple additions, and unfortunately that will cost a pretty penny. It's about making sure that you use money and, and you pay perhaps inflated prices on, on, on key positions. You know, we'll, we'll get onto it in a second, Richard, about this, this sort of fascination with almost an obsession with left backs and, and wing backs and full backs. But, but really, you know, we're still looking at that striker position and we're looking at that defensive midfield position as the key. If you're going to overspend anywhere, in my opinion, those are the two difference makers. And that's nothing against the other positions on the pitch. Every every player can have an impact, but those are the two where, if you can provide, you know, an anchor to the midfield, and you've got Jordan Davis with his new contract, now his new lucrative contract. Again, from what I gather, that is um, a very kind of financially stable package that that is a, a, a large improvement on on what he'd had before. If you get that sort of spine there, we've already got a defence that I'm quite happy with now. Rob Lainton in goal, back three, I'm happy with. You just need that anchor and then a forward to help Mullin and. I think you've got a really, really good chance of winning it all. I really do. Yeah, exactly. And I think another another point there to, to add to that is, like you said, uh, we need to alleviate the pressure on Mullen. Um, being a pessimist as well, if Mullen was to get suspended again or if he was you know, maybe to have a knock and, and miss a couple of games, then you really do worry about the drop-off in quality from him to the next, next players, which is understandable because Paul Mullen is a League One, if not Championship striker in midfield again. The priority is there because we just do not have that specialist and it's been an issue all season. So those are the two priority positions. Left back, you can see the argument that we we need an improvement there, but we've already got so many options that to me it it shouldn't be essential. And it's really interesting that we keep on seeing rumours of Wrexham are looking at getting new wing backs. I, I know that Parkey isn't, happy with sort of the the finished product he can see there's room for improvement there you can tell that by the fact that he's tried so many different players already jamie record what's happened to him cam green who i thought started the season where is jamie record yeah these players cam green i thought would be starting most games for the season i really thought this was this was his chance record and him just i can't see long-term futures for them at the club anymore because no no. What's the point? Almost. What is the point? How, keeping how can if you? If they I'd, can't. It's, I'd love. I'd love someone to tweet us at Rob Ryan Red or email us Rob Ryan Red at gmail dot com and tell us if you believe they have futures at the club. I, and it's and it's not in, in particular for for in Green's sake. It's really not for a lack of quality. It's just that Parky just simply isn't sold on him. It, that's obvious by now. We're we're halfway through his his reign. He, he's barely had a sniff. Uh, green. He's been out there. He's been fit. The whole time he's not he's not been you know sidelined with a major injury, and the fact he's playing a, a right wing back at left wing back in Bryce Hazana, I think you know would be a damning indictment if I was Green or or Record. So, you know that is that is a concern. But Richard Notts County, I have to say, Notts County stalked the wing backs. You know they were they were good going forward to a degree. Obviously we're down to ten men, but defensively they 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 really looked looked susceptible 
um, against sort of high quality wingers. And yeah, that, that I, I definitely left there a lot more concerned with our wing backs going the other way for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we've I think, said that, you know, it, we've said that as well now, haven't we? Though, in terms of if we get to that, it looks probably like playoffs is going to be the more likely scenario at this stage of the season that for the end of the, for the end goal. Mm. I still can't see us beating a sort of another big team and playing them off the park. And I know it's, tr- been... it's tricky, isn't it? Because it's it's uh, I'd argue in the playoffs it's not about playing teams off the park. It's about no, it's about it's, okay. It's, yeah, about, it's about getting the win. It's about it's about, it's yeah. about man- yeah. management. And you would argue that Parky. You know, even though we've not been satisfied really with any with many of the performances, with a couple, it, we are in in a position. Do you know what I mean? I, I, if, if anything, of late, I've kind of come around to the idea that it's about finding a grittiness that we maybe don't have in that midfield. And you know what? For a period, you could have looked at that Notts County game. Mullen scores that penalty. We're two two in the ascendancy. We might have ground something out there. And, and if we'd have come away with, from there with a point. Having played ten men for eighty minutes, the yeah. whole complexion would have been completely different. We'd be we'd be hailing Parky and the players for you know digging in, and I have to say, they didn't they didn't collapse. So no. as frustrated as I was at the wing back susceptibility, and, and I I looked at that and thought, how is Tyler French, who is in my mind a more defensively solid wing back, who has shown he can get assists. He got two at Southend early in the season. You know he's a, he's another one that is he out the door in January. You know he deserves. Well, he's effectively he's third choice, isn't he, right back? Because yeah, Hazan is ahead of him, but playing out of position as well. So, mm. like you said, it's just, it is crazy. And like you said, not as county for me, final bit on this. I, I don't see it as a bad performance at all. Because like you said, it was resilient. We did hang in there. We had everything going against us. And in a way, I think it helped that we had Marsden's absolute mare because that has unified us even more and galvanised the squad. And there is that sort of siege mentality that everything's out to get us at the moment, which... I think that is the narrative it should be after that, that that performance because we were spirited, we did have chances, we were against one of the best teams in the league with the man disadvantage and it was still a controversial defeat. So like you said, I do think that was a real, I think there were signs of positivity despite it being a, a day of you know gloom really and a missed opportunity to to get something from, from, from the trip there. So yeah, so we know Wrexham, like we said, the priority is still midfield this month. There's an increased priority now on signing a striker because Jake Hyde is, is sidelined. But like you said, fullbacks are still there being linked with us. And in particular, the name that's been doing the rounds lately is Ibu Torre. I believe that's how you pronounce it, at Salford City. He's played 17 times for them in League Two this season. And he's got four assists as well. So, you know, he's got a bit about him going forward. Interesting, though, to just to, like you said, to see a left-back linked to a move to Wrexham. And, and on that note as well, Dan Davis, who was on trial at Chelsea earlier in the season, had lots of Premier League interest in a potential signature for him, has signed his first professional contract at Wrexham. So that feels like a real coup, being able to keep a top young talent at the club, particularly a week after John Davis has committed his long-term future to the side as well. Yeah, I mean, from the people you speak to, Dan Davis is really highly thought of. You know, Parkey likes him a lot. He, he was brought into the fold in pre-season, you know, he's obviously raw still um, and has a lot of room to grow in his game. But physically, he's, he's good. He's up there, was he six foot one, something like that? Uh, you know, he's got a presence about him. Um, he's got good intellect from what I gather in terms of his football and IQ. And, and just to have another one on the books, you know, another 
um, another young player to sort of come through the academy. Fans are, as much as fans want to get up, they'd love to see a production line re-established at the club. You know, we were talking this week, weren't we, about um, talking, well, that, talking to Mickey Thomas, but off kind of the, the, the mic, I was talking to him about the academy and the production line, and he said that was one of the best things for him about Wrexham, you know, coming through with Joey Jones and, and the others that Wrexham have churned out. So to see Dan Davis, look, I, I don't see him. I mean, he might get a chance before uh, Jamie Record or Cam Green by the looks of it, but I, I don't see him getting a chance anytime soon. And he's one that I'll definitely be keeping an eye on in terms of the development. I'm really interested to see because, you know, to have a trial at Chelsea and was attracting kind of Premier League Academy interest, there's, there's a player there for sure, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, hopefully, fingers crossed, we will get a chance to, to sort of see him in the future going forward. And, you know, we never know that, that game that we said was. We've got an FA Trophy coming up. Maybe that could be an opportunity for some of the fringe players to really get a chance. But like you said, we've already got so many sort of senior players on the periphery. It's going to be really fascinating to see the, the squad that Parky just select for that one. How, like yeah, said. I was going to say, Rich, how, how are you thinking about that? Because it's 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 quite a long time off. You know, if, if you've not had some, a lot of your players, say he changes it around and goes with our actually second string, it, it's two, three weeks off for players to, you know, will they be too then cold going into that Yeovil game? I would... I would go fairly strongly into focusing on Victor. That's not playing Paul Mullin, obviously. That's obviously not playing Jake Hyde. But I would, I would have some regular people in that. You know, I would have the likes of James Jones, Luke Young, you know, Hosanna, John. I would have those kind of. Well, I would obviously want to bring French and Green in and others. But I would have the likes of Toza there, and I would take it seriously because I, I really think a Wembley trip would a be incredible for the owners, but also incredible for the fan base because it's been a while. You know, we're shut out of grounds at the minute. I get that promotion is the ultimate aim, but if we can build a bit more momentum, you know, return to winning ways and, and, and go through the competition, why not? I'm, I'm a big advocate of, yeah. of trying, to, trying to go all the way in, in cups. Yeah, it was Pep Guardiola approach, isn't it? He just approaches every competition with the end goal of winning it. There's not many trophies there available to win, so why wouldn't you want to win them all? Okay, the league's the priority. Everyone knows that. That is ultimately what you're aiming to do by the end of the season. But, you know like we say it just breeds success if you're winning matches and if you've got that momentum of course you have to rotate players etc but why would you not try win it it's not that much of a sort of i mean i understand to a degree a bit more the league cup for top end premier league teams it's a bit of an inconvenience but the fa trophy when we're already out of the fa cup it's not that much of an inconvenience yes there's a few extra games here and there but considering the way that the tournament's sort of organised, I don't see it to be too detrimental at all. So yeah, just play play a strong side. Okay, maybe you don't play your strongest eleven all the time, but if you're winning games, why do you not? Why is that? That's only a good thing as well. So like you said, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, Parkiola. Here we go. I mean, I mean, that could come back to haunt you, couldn't it? Oh, remind no, you of I, that I one in t- May. You know what? I already tweeted it out earlier in the season after a, the the club put a clip up about. Something like a thirty-pass move or something along those lines. Was that the older shot goal? At uh, the older shot goal that when Ponzicelli scored. So I tweeted out Parkiola ball on Rob Ryan Red, and funnily enough, one of the I can't remember who it was. One of the BBC Wales commentators actually mentioned it the next match. They didn't obviously mention the account. That's poor from them, but they they did say that they'd refer they'd seen a tweet referring to Parkiola ball. So you know I'll take my check in the post. It must be lost. I don't know where. Uh, I don't know where it is. I don't but... think I don't think you get any royalties for that. I don't think it's ever really any repeated. Any... Well, I don't think it's ever repeated. So I don't think you're in. A... <laughs> There's any danger of you getting a commission for it at all. But like you said, so transfers this month, 
We also put out a tweet, didn't we, earlier in the day, Nath, um, in, in the wake of that, that injury for Jake High, well, confirmation of the setback anyway. We asked for fans' opinions on the January window and what they believe, the, what, what they personally want the, the priority to be for the weeks ahead. And should we go through a few of them now? And, and we did say we'd give some shout-outs as well. So I'll, yeah, I'll go, start go off. Yeah, a few of those, Rich. Well, Paskins Tash said that we now need two strikers. He mentioned Ollie Palmer and Dom Telford. I think that might be a bit wishful thinking, but, you know, you've got to dream high. Um, Richard Lowe says that signing a striker should now be our second priority for the window. He says that signing a creative midfielder remains the priority. A defensive midfielder should be sort of third on the list. So creative midfielder, striker, and a defensive midfielder. Sam Taylor said, I think a striker has become a second priority after midfield, but it will be hard to get a top striker in January, so a loan option looks the best. Owen Bradley, I think he gave us his Christmas wish list earlier as well. He said, bring me Telford, Torre and Callum Guy. He's not messing about, is he? What a spine of the team that could have been. MG Wrexham said, we definitely need reinforcements now. We need seven or eight players in my view, with a few shipping out as well. James Waterhouse says, we need to take the load off Mullen. We'd be happy with an attacker and a holding midfielder this month. Um, Andy Ball says, I think we needed one before Hyde. Now we need two. Sell Dior Angus and try learn out Jake Bickerstaff as well. Dan Wrexham, he agreed that we need two strikers as well. He pointed out that Kwame Thomas isn't fully fit. Ponticelli works hard but lacks end product and Angus hasn't impressed all season. So, yeah, fans are, are very, like I said, desperate Seven for us to... or eight. Wow. That seems a bit sort of... Football that, manager, just, FIFA I mean, that, 22, just, fancy, fanciful. That's, that's, that's not happening in January. I'm sorry to burst the bubble. Um, it hardly you know, happens I, in the summer at most clubs. Look, I know, I, I, I've recently learned of the person who Parky has tasked. Now, it was a new name on my radar. Um, I'm just going to keep that. I, I, I'm being, that's poor for me though, to keep it under wraps, but I'm just going to keep it under wraps for now while I kind of work out who is on his list because I'm desperately trying to work out who is on this sacred list that this guy has um but parky apparently trusts him implicitly in in building these scouting reports on players um i would be amazed with like you say the depth in number of targets you know if you want to strike he'd probably have five or six targets for that position and vice versa i would be amazed if he has drawn up plans to bring in seven players um so if we get if we get three i would be delighted i think if we can get a, a defensive midfielder and a striker or two i will be pleased if it's two midfielders and a striker i'll be happy with that i i think genuinely this is just my opinion i think we're looking at three or four this month in terms of two starters and then maybe two more to bulk the squad because like you said so many times a season we've we've looked at the bench and thought there's no one really there to change the game and i know that if you get in another striker you get in another midfielder then just in terms of the way it works you someone who's starting now would then become a sub so there are there's got to be more, more more opportunity but i i think we i think three or four is what we need really because we do seem to still be a little bit off and i know in the the table just is a bit false at the moment because teams have all played different amount of games and stuff and I think that in reality we're still about fifth or sixth in the league and I think if we are going to push on not just to to win the league but to be one of those the top sides and you know second or third so you get the home advantage in the playoffs as well which is a big deal um, probably not what we want actually because we seem to be so much better away from home don't we so who knows maybe we might, might want to finish fourth instead it's I still think there's three or four that we need, to be honest, in my opinion. But like you said, 
it's at least two the club need and, and know they need this month. And then there's so much mitigation, so much circumstance mm. that can change in terms of just getting one player. And sometimes you can't go for your go for another position until you've got another one sort of chalked off because the type of midfielder you want might depend on the type of striker you want and you know and even that that as well there might be a midfielder who you think can be a bit of a creative player but if you if you can't get him then maybe you've got to look at a defensive midfielder instead because you see them as more of a priority than the other players available so there's so much to go through it's not as easy as it looks on video games there's so much mitigation it's going to be tireless they're going to be working around the clock to get things going but the wheels are in motion there will be signings soon and hopefully by the time we next get to see Wrexham in in action there could be a debut to, to see as well yeah, I, I mean, what I was going to throw it onto, Rich, is is our kind of year in review, 2021. I was thinking that the, the first sign that we made in in 2021-22 was Sean Brisley, and, and he's another that really has, has fallen away. We, we saw him score a header, didn't we, at, at Barnet? Um, he's another that can't get in the team. Max Cloweth is obviously involved in the first team now and wants more minutes. He's another that, that wants minutes. So it's not about just adding seven players in. It's about allowing some to go out, loan or permanent, and, and you need to keep a squad happy. That's why you see so many managers desperate to have a, a tight-knit 18, because they say, you know, that, that works for them with only five substitutes. You know, they're, they're, they're able to keep that sort of number happy and anything beyond 20 is just there's too many players that are unhappy and that damages the morale in the camp. So, I don't know, should we do some kind of 2021 year in review to round us out? I think we should, yeah. I mean, we took to social media last week as well um, in the last week of 2021 to ask you for your highlights your highs and lows of 2021 your most improved player your player of the year etc so I think that's probably a good place to start um, like we said it's difficult always to get everyone on the sort of same hit, same hymn sheet because when you say who's your player of the year lots of people just sort of presume you mean of the season but you know it has been a, a long old year it's got the last six months of sort of Dean Keats's reign it's got the first six months of Phil Parkinson as well so I mean you've not got many players who were there across both of them doing too much either the player who seems to have been the sort of runaway candidate for for player of the year is has been Jordan Davis um Paul Mullen of course gets a lot of credit for what he's done since the summer but Jordan Davis for the consistency he's shown all year is leading the way to be player of player of the calendar year and to mm. be fair Nate I think I probably do go along with that one as well because Jordan Davis last season the first half was pretty unremarkable and it was the second half where he really kicked on well, we were caught we were, we were we sort of called him out in a way after what was it one game where was it the Hartlepool we, we were, game i think it was the Hartlepool game it, might, it was something like that and we he he he, he just bought me in a bottle he just sort of like turned back and, and we were on a break and he he essentially ended the attack and we were just furious at his kind of lack of confidence because he's such a talented player the second half of the campaign, he really just flicked a switch and turned it on. We, we think about that that Halifax game, um, and and you know where he just dazzled in in that performance, and that was definitely up there for for certain people's performance of the year. Rob Lainton, maybe a shout out as well, and he's been another that he's just again ruthlessly consistent. Yes, he's very injury prone, and he's been in the wars as well. I think you know was the Bromley game did that fall in twenty twenty one or was that the back end of twenty twenty? I can't remember now. But the Bromley game where he got knocked out and he's just always there. And when he is there, I think he is just very reliable. Um, 
and it's someone a safe pair of hands that I trust in there. And we're not going to go over all ground with you know what the club think about Lainton and Dibble. But again, I think Jordan Davis is the unanimous there. And as good as this season, I would say Mullen and Lennon have been definitely over the calendar year. Jordan Davis is is well deserving of the 2021 Player of the Year award. Uh, Youth Player of the Year again, Jordan Davis is sort of when we asked everyone on social media, he. I'd say, what, 75-80% of the vote. But interesting there, Max Clareworth got some mentions and he's probably, at the moment, the most highly rated player on the fringes of the first team, at least. We've seen him play in the last couple of games. Of course, he came on at Ultragum as well in that midfield role. Still not seen too much from him. Of course, we saw that wonder goal against Gloucester in the in the FA Trophy. I still think he probably needs a loan just to be playing regular football, but he's highly rated and he's a player who... Maybe most fans didn't know about at the start of the season. Of course, he's a name we know, but feel like you can sort of put more of an idea in your head about but what he is and, and what type of player he is. He looks very classy on the ball. He looks quite assured. He's got a good footballing brain, but to me, he just needs to bulk up a bit and, and have that low mm-hmm. move and get some get some sort of regular football under his belt. Another question, which I think divide a lot of opinion with the subjects of the best goal of last year and the best game of last year as well both trips to Halifax stick out for me what about you Nath? See I, I was very high on on the Paul Mullen goal against Stockport early this season um, that was just a phenomenal moment you know inside the first minute it's a long ball from Lainton and you know keepers rushing out Ethan Ross I think it was Mullen comes out he dinks it over the keeper and in his stride as he's as he's running and sprinting he dinked the ball and then he sort of continues his stride a couple more paces before spreading his arms you know and and beckoning the crowd like some sort of wwe wrestler you know he looked like christ the redeemer when he was stood there the messiah and and i have to say that i've never seen people fly down rows of seats it's it's interesting because that in terms of the best goal i mean that was up there for me and i get another one from this season You'd have to say um, the David Jones goal at Solihull. I mean, that is phenomenal. That, that is a phenomenal goal. Yeah. That and then you know definitely Jordan Davis last season at Halifax. They they, they definitely stick and you got out. The, as... You got all the goals against Gloucester as well in the FA Trophy. You got two worldies yeah, from yeah, yeah. Jordan Davis. Oh, you got Matt Clayworth yeah. smashing one in from twenty five yards out. And then yeah, there's 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 a lot of really good goals. And then I remember last season well, Joe Angus's brace against Bromley at home. Does one volley over the keeper? And there's another mm. one in off the post from a really tight angle. You know, there's been a lot of really good M- goals. I mean, Mullen, Mullen against Dagenham at home, didn't he curl it from? Yeah, twenty five well yards out, yeah, left footed. Yeah. You know, if if only the Resor, I think if the Resor Johnson one had been in there, that probably would have took it for me. Just it's just an unbelievable goal that one. But anyway, that's in there for 2022, the 2022 edition. But yeah, best uh, best goal. I don't know. I I also posed this similar question before the best game or. As well as the best game, which what was your kind of? I'd be interested to know yours. The kind of best uh, or most interesting moment of the year, because there's been some balmy moments around Wrexham. You know, we yeah. I think of that. I think of that Eastley scuffle. We were called. We called it. You know, at the time, I, thought, I can't remember what episode it was now, but we were talking about the Eastley brawl and the touchdown went looked like Dean Keats had been headbutted. You know, there was there was the low of losing in, in the playoffs, uh, losing to miss out on the playoffs in the final game. You know, Paul Rutherford ending his Wrexham career. Um, on a red card, which was yeah. just devastating for him. You know, well, for were me, kind of... the the game that stands out is one that I I, I don't. It's an odd one because I've had like revisionism about it because 
for me, of course, you know, Halifax is the moment. I mean, let's put it out there. That's probably the one for me that wins it because it had everything I wanted. You know, there's nothing better than a, a last minute winner when you've played crap and you don't deserve it. And, you know, that was just perfect. But for me, it was the game that kept the playoff dream alive. It was Bournemouth 2, Wrexham 3. Ponticelli scoring oh, in the 88th Johnson, minute and Reese Hall Johnson scoring a minute later. 3 yeah. 2 win against all the odds. 2 0 down at half time to win 3 2. Because here's a little uh, insight for you. In the 85th minute, I went to Morrison's to do some shopping because I thought, well, Wrexham have lost this game. And then right. as soon as I got in the queue, I checked my phone and it flashed twice on flash scores. And Wrexham were winning 3 2. And I got out of the queue to go buy some beers because I was in such a, <laughs> I had such a high about me that all of a sudden this, this rather depressing trip to the supermarket turned into a party time. And yeah, I loved it. And it was you see just that picture rich. Do you see that picture from yeah. Bournemouth of the staff just jumping for joy? Yeah, that's one of the pictures of the year by by far. That and the one of of Mullen celebrating at Stockport, but that one at Bournemouth, like you say, it meant so much. I remember losing my complete mind at that Riesel Johnson goal because and, and that's it. Because as football fans, the the reality is you don't have most of it is not winning and there isn't highs, and the thing that keeps you going is that hope. As Wrexham fans, it's always been, well, there's always next year or we are, we could get the playoffs, but we could get the title. There's always that, just that belief. And that's what I enjoyed about last season. It's the fact that we did keep it going. And I know that for a long, I know we were never going to go up, you know, just, we just were well off it. But the whole point was that we had that dream and we had that belief that, you know what, we could do this. And for me, that boring wood game just mm. epitomized it. It was that belief that something could still happen here. We've got the Hollywood owners. We've got the Hollywood script now. We're going to go up. Well, we, you know, think just to kind of round, round off this little segment, which I mean, 2021 was the year where the takeover got sealed. We got a new manager. We missed out on the playoffs. We had a, we called it the race course rumble with Eastley. You know, we, we, we signed loads of players. We went and signed the top scorer in League Two, for God's sake. You know, we've, we had a cancelled trip to Philadelphia. You know, so much has happened. Rob and Ryan have come over. They did shots in the turf. They visited the town, took selfies with fans, which people were desperate to see. Uh, what else? We... Have done. We did forty-eight episodes of a podcast, which just seems a bit. Or we did forty-seven episodes, I think, of a podcast, which is bonkers. It's. I mean, I'm trying to think of everything that's happened this year. We just bonkers, really. I mean, we've done multiple away days. We did an away day together. Um, yeah, just a, a hell of a lot happened in in twenty twenty one. Um, and it's yeah, it's just it just never dull, is it? Following Wrexham, I mean, we even got Ted Lasso's biscuits sent over. That unbelievable picture we got added to FIFA, you know so much. Rich, when you add it up and you and you lay it out there, all the ones, all the all the memories I've just said, and that was just in in the space of one year, one year following Wrexham. It's never dull, is it? And I, I don't know if you've got a, a particular podcast episode that is of interest before we before you maybe you could round us out in maybe plugging one of our better ones. That, that if you're new here, go and rate us on Spotify. I know you can do that now, and we've had some ratings, which is much appreciated. Go give it five big stars because that is very nice of you. A late Christmas present uh, to myself and Rich. But Rich, I don't know any particular podcast episode you've loved, even if it's not one of the interviews, just one you've you particularly enjoyed doing in the, in the forty-seven that we did do in twenty twenty-one. 
Yes, yeah, oh, throw me under the bus here. It's a lot of pressure, isn't it? I enjoyed them last summer when you know it was all that excitement about what's ahead. It was the thought of Phil Parkinson's the new manager. Who are the new signings going to be? We had loads of audience interaction about who your dream summer signings would be. None of us, I know, I mean, we read out that tweet from Paul Lewis, I think, before saying that, you know, Shimango with the dream. I think we laughed off the thought of signing Paul Mullen last summer because we said, that's never going to happen. This is Wrexham, remember. Some things don't change. But it was last summer and it was that culture shift. The fact that Wrexham went from, you know, just... Like the whole takeover, Wrexham went for a place where they used to make fun of you for from being from there, and now everyone wishes they had a bit of it. Everyone wants to be from Wrexham. Everyone wants to say, I support Wrexham. Everyone just wants a piece of that. And for me, last summer was where it really sort of came into fruition. The old had ended, okay, say what you want about Dean Keats, the former squad or whatever, but we needed that clean break. Phil Parkinson's come in. We've got a whole new squad, nice new snazzy sponsors we've got like you said we're on fifa we've got the best owners in world football they don't even want to be called owners they're so you know magnanimous about it all and yeah it's just last summer for me go back maybe listen to some of them and we just didn't know what lies ahead and that's what's so exciting now as well we're in the january transfer window we're still in contention to go up who knows what lies ahead it's just gonna be exciting and I can't wait to to see how it all unfolds. But we will be there every step of the way. Thank you so much for all the support you've shown on the podcast so far. 49 episodes. Here's to many, many more. As always, please leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. As Nave said, you can now write rate us on Spotify as well, which really does help us grow and reach a new audience as well. But again, word of mouth's the best. If you've enjoyed any of these podcasts, just tell one one other Wrexham fan about them, someone who maybe doesn't know, and we really do appreciate that. Thank you very much for joining us. Take care. We'll see you again next time. All the best. Come on, Wrexham. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order muck delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.